Welcome to the Best of the Left podcast, with clips today from The Young Turks, Rachel Maddow, Lachaud, and Ring of Fire. Evangelicals, a lot of great people, obviously. I mean, it's ridiculous to even have that conversation. Uh, that being said, they are crazy. All of them are crazy. Uh, if they actually believe it. If they don't actually believe it and they're fake, then God bless. Go forward. I know that's a little ironic. Uh, asked to rate their chances that you might go to hell, that you might go to hell. 46% of self-identified conservatives said, not a chance. When they asked liberals the same question, what are the chances you might go to hell? Uh, 28% said there's no chance. So conservatives are like, hell no, I'm not going to. Literally, hell no, I'm not going to hell. Liberals are like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, it's kind of ironic because the conservatives believe in hell more, mm-hmm. but the liberals are like, well, if there is a hell, I might go to it. Well, I actually, you know, I, I, to me, it's a degree of, of, of humility, too, that you're not, you know, uh, how dare anybody who believes in God be so sure that they are walking the straight path right. into the kingdom of heaven. I, I would think that that is that you're. You, I would say that if you're so sure you're not going to hell, you are by your very definition not humble before the Lord, and therefore going to hell. Yeah, I like. Well, I don't know about the last part, but I uh, with you all the way. Where you belong. <laughs> Born again anyway, Christians. I mean, was it just a yes or no poll question, or could you be like, "There's no hell"? Uh, I don't, no, those I don't are, know uh, if hell exists. I don't, I don't. Yes, those are other parts of the survey. I don't have the entire survey in front of me. I have just these numbers, again, from Newsweek. Unlike the religious people, I don't claim to have all the answers mm-hmm. to the universe. Yeah, they don't. I don't have that number in front of me. Uh, but uh, I know that 14% of Americans don't believe in any of the organized, traditional organized religions. That number is true. And that's a growing number, and God bless. Born-again Christians were the most upbeat about their odds. 55% of born-again Christians said, not a chance of going to hell. Mm -hmm. Roman Catholics thought, same number, 21% thought, not a chance of going to hell. So again, Catholics are like, yeah, there's a good chance I'll wind up there. Well, no, because the deal is with the born-agains. I mean, that's, that's... That's the whole part of the faith, is you're born again. No matter what you've done before, now that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're, you're clean. You're good. The Catholics, on the other hand, they scare you into going to hell the whole time. I mean, until you're on your deathbed, you're worried. You're crossing your fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. That is a, a big part of the difference, and that's I'm going to get to that in a second. There's That's a whole other part of the survey. So let me run through these numbers real quick, and then let's talk about it at the end here. 56% of those who filled out the survey thought they knew one or more people who were probably headed south. Uh, that's a big number, 56%. That's for everybody, not just the evangelicals. 64% of conservatives said, yes, they know someone who's going to hell. 47% of liberals said, yes, I know someone going to hell conservatives and men are more likely to believe in hell as a physical place with fire and demons as opposed to a spiritual state of separation from god okay you people are nuts man i'm so scared i'm so scared A, a, a large large portion of this country is absolutely insane they believe that there's that they know people who are going to roast over an eternal fire and that there are demons there Demons. And where do they get? That? Where do you get the demons? Like, where is that in? Is that is that in? Is that lore? Is that actually in the Bible? No, of course it is. Look, the Bible. I'm telling you, read the Bible. It's nuts. Of mm-hmm. every single page, you're like, oh, help the poor. That's good. If you don't, demons will eat you. 
Jesus, what is that no, all about? I just want to know. Bad acid trip. No, but like I, I mean, I don't know because I, I, I don't obviously I, I can't claim to be any uh, wise about the Bible. I've just revealed it, and, and obviously, uh, but is there a is there a is there a, where in the Bible do they talk about like bad people going to hell and there being an eternal fire? You know, honestly. I, I got to retract my last statement. I, I don't know a lot about the hell part of it. I know all the absurd laws because I read the Old Testament a lot yeah. more. I've read portions of the New Testament. In Revelations, for example, there's a seven-headed dragon, and that's supposed to be literal, mm-hmm. and he's part of hell and stuff. And, and as far as you know, how hell the the popular vision we have of hell is that largely uh, textual, Ben? You know, is yeah. it in the text, or is it coming from other myths, etc.? Uh, I bet I'm positive that there are people far, far more educated on that. We'll take some calls in a second, uh, and probably people will fill us in. Uh, 25% of all people said that they know people in their own family who are hellbound, going to hell. Like, hey, oh, you know, my son, he's a good boy. He tries hard, but he doesn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, Demons will eat him alive, right? For uh, the you know, as soon as he dies, for the rest of time. I'm more, so, I, I, I'm, I'm less bothered by the high percentage of people who believe that that they know someone or a family member said it than by people who have totally bought in to this sort of uh, literary definition of hell that they think they have some actual insight to what it would be like when it's inconceivable that they would know. I mean, because even the people. No one could know because no one can come back and write about it. The only person, obviously, would be Jesus would have said it at the time. Like, well, Jesus never went to hell. How would he know? No, but he was, you know, his dad told him. Uh, by the way, you, then you'll hate this fact even more, Ben. Those who thought their family members were headed to hell were very likely to think of hell as a place of fire and torment. Jesus. So it wasn't like, oh, you're spiritually split from God. No. My mom or my dad or my son or my sister or my uncle, he's actually going to roast over an open fire. I'm not playing. I'm being literal. That's the answer being given. Right. Now, here comes the most that's amazing. Because that's obvious. I mean, the, 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 the psych major can, I mean, the, the, the person who's taking psych class. You were, you were just classes, right? No, I was a psychology major. Right. You're, the psych- In my first round of college. Right. Oh, at, uh, at the... University, University of Arizona. Very interesting. Go Wildcats. No, it's a good school. I was uh, a psych major for a whole year. Uh, but that's like because you hate your mom so much that you want to believe that she's going to get her comeuppance when she... Uh, when she burns in hell. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine anyone thinking their family member is going to be sent to hell unless they want them to suffer. No, but I mean, that's that's why the people who think their family members are going to hell, you're like, and they're not only going to hell, they're going to burn. Yeah. They're going to burn. It's going to be awesome. Deep-seated issues there. You're sick. If you think one of your family members is actually going to roast over an open fire for the rest of eternity, you're a sick, sick human being, and you need help. Now, here comes what I find to be in the final numbers and the ones that I find most fascinating. It goes to a question Jill asked earlier. 60% of born-again Christians, almost all of them Protestants, said the unfortunates, the people going to hell. The unfortunates? That's just the word that Newsweek used here, the writer used. Don't worry. The people going to hell didn't have, quote, the right beliefs, compared with just 19% of Catholics who said that. 80% 80% of Catholics said it was because of the person's immoral actions compared with 40% of born-against. So born-against think just because you're not born again, mm-hmm. you're done. And uh, whereas Catholics think, no, no, you, even if you're not Catholic, uh, you might go, you, 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 your ticket to hell is only paid for by your behavior. The born-again Christians, you could have brutally raped and murdered somebody. 
And, you know, a week before you pass away, if you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, upstairs. Right. You're going upstairs. The, but I, yet, if you're a homosexual and you've, like, had a great life up until the day you die, but you never claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hell. Forget Funny. homosexual. How about if you're a Hindu and you were sitting in a village in India living a merry life and, you know... Forget living well, a merry life. I, like, vill- I'm going to burn in hell because I don't... Well, you're going to burn in hell because you're, you're a bad, bad person. person. I'm right. not a bad person. No, I just hate Jesus. You're a bad... No, no, but like that Hindu, I mean, he could be sitting in the hut and, and not only sitting in the hut, he could be dedicating 24 hours a day, seven days a week to, to helping the sick kids. You I know. got three words for him. Fire, torment, demons. Yeah, well, they should. That's know. what he's looking forward to. Uh, born again c- Christians who actually believe this, and it is sixty percent of them. Um, are you? Is everybody holding on? I'm ready to go over the top. Here we go. We're going over the top. <clears throat> you are immoral people. Okay, it is a literal fact because you think morality doesn't matter. You think as long as you say the magic yep. words, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, you know, tap your shoes three times, that you get to go to heaven, and it doesn't matter what you do, and it doesn't matter what the other person did, and it doesn't, and you're not going to be judged by your actions or your lack of actions, and you're not going to be judged by whether you're immoral or immoral, the 60% who believe this, okay? And that makes you an immoral person. It does. At least Catholics, who I disagree with on their religion and, and on, the, on the specifics of it, say, listen, ju- God is going to judge you on whether you're a good person or a bad person. 80% of them believe that. That is at least more rational and literally more moral. Mm -hmm. No, I absolutely agree with you. All right. I loathe the born-agains. Okay. Now you're getting carried away. Some of them are good. Obviously, a lot of Americans, good people, etc. 40% of them aren't buying it. Okay. And 40% of them certainly aren't buying it. But uh, the ones that do buy it, these people, I'm with you, Jill. I mean, I wouldn't say load, but... To call yourself a born-again Christian, I mean, especially because you really have to take that step. You have to believe in what they're saying here. You cannot be called a born-again Christian and believe that unless you've claimed that Jesus is is your guy, you're not going to hell. It it goes against all beliefs of being a born-again Right, but, Jill but just, what you I understand the evangelicals and the Christians. They don't know Jill, how to you're like a take fundamentalist, and you're driving me crazy, okay? You're not getting this point that Ben has said 20 times already on the show. All these people, they don't actually believe it, okay? And they call themselves that because it makes them feel good. Makes them feel Because their family members are that, and they go to church, and or, they go and eat fried they, chicken, they and, they, you know, and they have a picnic after Sunday and stuff. But when you say to them, hey, do you believe X, Y, Z, at least 40% of them go, well, no, I don't quite believe that or, because they can't get themselves fine, to believe that because relig- that's if, crazy. If religion wasn't so destructed, fine, you, 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 you can have that out. But it, it causes too many problems. People have to stop. No, but also you know. But I agree with you, Chell, entirely. But that what Ben is trying to say, and he said over and over, yeah, I know, is that Look, those ben people who claim to believe in religion don't actually believe in it, yeah. and that's why they're okay. All right, fine. Then they are just idiots. Well, not, but I mean, suppose you know there are also zillions of people who've had some trauma, some terrible thing, drinking problem, drugs, and they've turned to religion. They think they think they need to have have a closer relationship with with Christ, and so they decide. So all they have to do is essentially say. I'm deciding I have a conversation. When we get all, when we ask people, are they born again Christians? That's a lot of people who haven't gone through some ceremony. They've just decided I'm going to take Christ on as my personal savior, and all that means is that's given them some clarity, some strength to avoid the things that was bad in their lives, and they haven't changed what they actually believe one iota. Bill in Las Vegas on line three. Hey, Bill, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. What a fascinating discussion. Thank you, man. Uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, we can hear you fine. Fire away, Bill. 
Hi, very good. So I'm on, I'm on Bluetooth, cell phone, and all that sort of stuff. So. Fancy. Anyway, yes. No, I, I find what you're talking about fascinating. Certainly, I think a lot of times religion in the world gets a bad rap because you notice the bad things that happen, but you don't notice the quiet changes that it does in people's lives to improve them and make them better people. And as a, as a Christian, as somebody who follows the life of Christ, that's, that's the one goal that you should have is to try to always make your life better and, and obey those commandments. You're not going to all the time. I think your poll, the poll given, and I'm not sure what the source was, very judgmental. If somebody called me and asked me to take that poll, I'd say, listen, what Christ taught was not to judge. I'm judging nobody. I'm worried about myself. But why do you gonna... have to align yourself with a religious organization to be a good person? Why can't you just follow? I mean, why can't you just be a moral, decent, loving person without having to associate yourself with, with a group of people that are, are, are a lot of times wildly judgmental? I think I think as a, as a group you can do more good. I think as a um, that that you can organize to help and do charitable events that otherwise as one individual you can't do. I think that's one of the values of organized religion. But you are right. What what you said is exactly true, and that goes to you guys want to hear in one word what the purpose of life is. Sure. sure. Yeah. I'm very, I can't well, wait. Wow, this is big me? news. It's yeah, the best thanks, moment, biggest moment on the show. I can give you more words, but I'll just give you one. All right. Progression. Hmm. Huh? It's for each of us to grow and become better. Whether we are Christian, Muslim, whether we are atheist, no matter what our religion is, agnostic or whatever, we have come to this earth, I believe it's been put here, for our progression and growth, and each of us will progress and grow to different degrees. Hey, I think sure. if, if we follow religion, we certainly have the potential to progress even further than those who do not. Um, I well. just think Bill, the nature of religion, Bill, but still, Bill, everybody. Uh, God bless. Go forward, Bill. Listen, you made a lot of great points. You sound like a terrific guy. I totally disagree with your last point that if we follow religion, we'll be better off. But uh, outside of that, I, you know, you're the good religious guys that Ben's talking. Right, and in fact, so good that I have two very simple words for you, Bill. Enjoy hell. But he can be a good person. He sounds like a fine person, but he doesn't need to associate himself with Christians. Hey, but that, that's how—that's what he gets off on. I don't have a problem with that as long as he doesn't hurt burn anybody. Burn for eternity. <laughs> the word of the day is progression. When I think of heaven, never me in a black wing bird. I think of flying down. page today is about hypocrisy and a man named Jack Berkman. Um, as background here, my general take on people behaving poorly in their personal lives is that I'm all for it. I'm all about people behaving poorly in their personal lives. You know what? I mean, I'm <laughs> just, it's, it's not my business, really. If you're, uh, if, if you're a, a person who behaves poorly in your relationships, if you're a person who cheats, if you're a person uh, who propositions people uh, to pay them for sex or whatever, you know, your own personal shenanigans are your own personal shenanigans. Except when you are making a public career 
of going after, demagoguing other people for what happens in their private lives. Then, fair game. That's how I think about it. Uh, the man, this guy, Jack Berkman, it's possible that you think you have never heard of him, but you probably have and you just didn't remember him. Uh, here as a refresher is Mr. Berkman, Jack Berkman, Republican strategist, uh, opining on MSNBC as a Republican family values expert on the gays and the sanctity of marriage. The first voice you'll hear here is, uh, is Joe Scarborough speaking on, on June 5th. So is the president pandering on gay marriage and flag burning with me now is Patrick Guerrero. He's president of the law of cabin Republicans and Republican strategist Jack Berkman. Jack, it sure smells like political pandering to me. Is that what the president's doing? Sure, but there's nothing wrong with pandering if it's the right thing to do, Joe. This is the right policy. This is the right policy. Now, if, if Jack Berkman's voice isn't ringing a bell, it may uh, remind you to know he's kind of a vague, vaguely handsome. He looks... It looks kind of like if you could imagine Roberto Montalban and Tattoo from Fantasy Island getting, to, getting together and having a bastard love child. He looks like a cross between the two of them. Uh, but Mr. Mr. Berkman is very serious about the gay marriage thing. Uh, he thinks it is a huge, a very serious moral problem for the country. America will never be defeated in the, in, in the field. Just like the Roman legions, we will never fall in battle. I mean, if Osama bin Laden thinks he can defeat the United States by knocking over buildings, he's crazy. But... Where we, where we will fall and where we are falling as a civilization is from within. It's moral. All right. It's moral. The gays are going to do so much more damage to the country than that pesky Osama. Gay marriage are moral failings. We are failing the country from within. It'll be the downfall of America. We can withstand Osama, but not the gays. I would advance the bold thesis tonight, Joe, and this is controversial, but this issue in the moral fabric of this country is five times as important as the war on terror and the war in Iraq combined. Ooh. Combined. Five times as important. Five times as important as the war on terror and the war in Iraq combined. Our moral fabric. Wow, the gays must really be stopped. Jack Berkman is very committed to stopping the gays. They're going to destroy America. The gays must be stopped or must be paid $1,000 to have sex with him. Either way, either way, he is going to put himself on the line. <laughs> A young woman uh, was in Washington, D.C. this weekend uh, for the Gay Pride Parade. Uh, she wrote on her MySpace blog about uh, going after the, after the parade and the festivities. She and her girlfriend uh, got a room for the night at the swanky Mayflower Hotel. She wrote on her blog, quote, A hot businessman in a pinstriped suit walked past me, said hello, and doubled back. He asked me my name and introduced himself, Jack Berkman, government relations strategist. Asked where I went to school, gave me his card, asked me to call him. I later texted him and never could get rid of him again. I will spare you the gross details and the compliments on her outfit and the way she describes her outfit, blah, 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 blah. The posting ends. By the end of the night, he was offering to pay for our room and give us $1,000 if the two of us would him. Okay, so you're thinking, Maddo, this is vaguely a news story. This is vaguely a news show. This doesn't sound like a news story. This is somebody blogging about some gross guy. Why should I believe it? Well... Um, she posted his business card online when she said that he gave her his card. He really did. And uh, she's apparently um, uh, scanned it and posted online. And we have linked to it at MaddoOnline.com. Again, if you're a skeezy person, that's no business of mine unless you are making a living and, and making a public show of yourself demagoguing me. 
for doing something far less skeezy, which is just living as a boring gay person. But just to be clear, gays a bigger threat than five times the war on terror and the war in Iraq combined. But lesbians also available for thousand dollar propositions uh, for the right sanctity of marriage anti-gay hypocrite. Just to be clear on this. When you're lying here in my eyes I'm finding it hard to believe We're in heaven Let me uh, disprove Jesus Christ in a minute and a half here. Um, I uh, play poker with a bunch of guys. I won a thousand bucks off this, uh, what I jokingly call this, the Hollywood crowd, and uh, it's ridiculous. Hollywood crowd. You can't it's set up a line and then have it be the Hollywood crowd. That's not. That's what everyone calls it. Uh-huh. But it has to be like the, uh, that's what you're going to call the Hollywood Mafia. Something. You need another line. It can't just be the Hollywood crowd. Beyond uh, that, it's not even close to a Hollywood crowd. No, also you'd be like. Uh, There's magicians no. there. No, they're so, and they're actors. They're yes, actors. They're in the entertainment business. Magicians are in the entertainment business. Right? There's two. There was two actors I, I, there. I play a lot of poker with a group of people I like to call a bunch of guys. <laughs> okay, I got you. All right. So they're the Hollywood mobsters. Whatever. Right. Okay. Uh, and Hollywood elite. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, now I got to make up two names. I, I should have done it's this. Funny. Early. It always looks like you guys. Here, go back to the two shot. Don't move your hands. Always looks like you guys are <laughs> holding hands when I watch the um, when I watch the shows no, later because you, be you both yeah. you both sit like that. <laughs> well, we're in Hollywood. I know, and you, you know, guys Jerry are gay. Falwell we're gonna says. find out later how gay Ben really is. All right. Okay, so two, there's two actors there. Uh, they're good guys. They're solid ass actors. Uh, I named them to a friend of mine, as I said, and I won a lot of money there. I won $1,000 one night. I lost a lot of money on other nights. Let's get real. Uh, and I told my friend Steve, and Steve told his coworker. By the time he told his coworker, he'd forgotten who the actors were, and he'd forgotten what the money was. And he told his friend, oh, yeah, Jenk won $1,000 off of Colin Farrell. <laughs> okay. Hey, Colin Farrell was not there. Of course not. And you, not didn't, even and you didn't win the $1,000 off of those actors either. Not at all. You won it off all. other people. They actually exactly. won money. Yeah, they won money. I didn't win anything off them. And then, you know, I won off the plumber and the magician or something. And uh, and and then he, he's saying, you know, by the time he tells the story, it's going to be Jank won $10,000 off Tom Cruise. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Know? Okay, so, but anyway, but what did actually happen is the story got perverted to me actually winning it off to actors and the actor being Colin Farrell, right? right? Which is totally not true. And it made me think back to, you know, we had that guest, the, the, the God who wasn't there, who mm-hmm. did the movie about Jesus and stuff. For 70 years, they just passed it on through the oral tradition. Yeah. Nobody wrote down a thing of what Jesus did, right? And 70 years later, a guy who'd never met him, Paul. Seventy years after Jesus was born, but 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 thirty five years after he died, right? More or less, or no? No, I think it was seventy years after he died. It's it's essentially irrelevant, but but okay, okay. continue. Uh, so 
he heard from somebody who heard from somebody who talked to one of the apostles. Okay? Yeah. And he wrote it down first, and then other people wrote down what they heard from people from her, from people heard from. And we're supposed to take that as... He walked on water. <laughs> we're ta- no, we're, that's it. He right. definitely did all those things. And every word in that Bible that was written down from ha- hearing from somebody, from hearing somebody 70 years later. And 70 years! 70 years later! And then compiled hundreds of years after that. Oh, that's right. Exactly yeah. right. By a whole new set of people. Right. We're, take- we're supposed to believe that every word of that is true, and that's why we're supposed to, you know... Fill in the blank. Hate gay people. Believe slavery was okay at some point. Make sure that your woman obeys you. Kill a goat. Sprinkle his blood throughout the temple. Mm. I mean, it's madness. It's sheer madness. Just a little throwaway there. That's all. That's a good point. Right. So what was Colin Farrell like? shopping headquarters for all your Christian needs. Bibles by the bushel, crosses by the carload, Christian video games, you'd have to go to heaven to find more. Music, Jesus Christ Superstore makes a joyful noise cost less with white gospel, black gospel, Hispanic gospel, Vietnamese gospel. Homeschooling, you'll find Christian textbooks at Christian prices. Because best of all... Jesus Christ Superstore uses a higher power to get you lower prices. We combine volume selling with volume praying by our sales associates to assure you the the biggest savings in Christendom. And that's not all. Our weekly miracles mean special discounts on the products and services you use most, like this week's 10% off a complete oil change by the Mid-South's largest staff of born-again automotive technicians. Got a non-spiritual hunger? Our Godly Delights line of frozen dinners are this week's volume blessing. And for our Catholic brethren, the Rosary Room and Saints Galore are just what the Pope ordered. If there isn't already a Jesus Christ Superstore near you, pray for one. If there is, praise the Lord and fill up the trunk. Jesus Christ Superstore. Where would Jesus save? Well, I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord, but you for music, do you? Well, it goes 
goes like this The fourth, the fifth The minor fall and the major lift The baffled king composing Hallelujah 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 So Bobby, I got an interesting email from somebody who listens to the program regularly. They want to know the difference between Christian Democrats and Christian Republicans. I, obviously, it's an issue we talk about a lot is kind of the seamless merger between politics and religion that's taken place in America. And, and they want to know, is there a difference? What's your take on it? Well, you know, the distinction I may, would make, it would not be between Democrat and Republican Christians, but between the right-wing fundamentalists and the kind of Christianity that listens to the word and the mission of Jesus Christ, which said, you know, we should practice love and tolerance and embrace poverty and those kind of fundamental, be kind to the poor, the sick, uh, the people in jail. The fundamentalists, Christian fundamentalists, really aren't that different than Muslim fundamentalists. Fundamentalism really, in my view, is the end of religion. It's not, you know, religion is at its best, is a search for the existential truths that the Creator put here for us to discover. Fundamentalism is an end of that search for the truth, Mike. It's really, it's an exercise of power instead. It's a way of saying all the truth that you need to know is in this particular document, and I am going to be in the, the interpreter of that document for you. Yeah, I mean, but and the- I'm going to tell you what it means. And it, you know, fundamentalists across the world, no matter what religion they are, have the same kind of characteristics. They're anti women, they're anti gay, they're intolerant. They practice a kind of tribalism where we are right and everybody else is wrong. And if you're wrong, you either have to be converted or killed. Yeah. And that any end justifies the means of achieving our ultimate objectives, that there has to be a merger of religion and politics, and that ultimately our views have to prevail in the political system. And anything that we have to do to get there is justified, whether it's corrupting a political process or bombing the World Trade Center. Yeah, well, you don't realize how dangerous it is until you start realizing now that you have platforms like Trinity Broadcasting, which is, you know, 24-7. You used to call themselves a religious station. It's really become more of a religious political station. Because now, for some reason, this political fringe, this seamless merger with the kind of the, you know, what I call the lunatic political fringe in politics, is being driven by people like uh, what you got, Rabbi Lappin, Pat Robertson, John Hagee. And they all have something in common. That is, when you distill what they have to say, that these are people that are creating this religious political freak show that tells their followers, their kind of moony-eyed followers, that they should support politics that are pro-war. They should support politics that are pro-rich, anti-environment, anti-gay, anti-everybody who's different from them. And it's really this freak show that at its heart is driven by something that we call dominion religion. That is that the rapture's here, you know, we're living the last days, it doesn't make any difference what we do. As a matter of fact, there's an uh, incredibly important article that appeared in the American Prospect magazine. It talks about John Hagee, who's rallying all of this political fringe to start a war in Iran. I mean, that's his goal. He 
goes on twice a day. He talks about the wisdom of starting a war in Iran. The reason is, is because he feels like that's where rapture will begin. Once we can start that war and move towards the last days of revelations, then that's going to be good for all of us. And unfortunately, this is... He's the guy who cites the book of Esther, right? Book of Esther, yeah. He says the book of Esther tells him that this is all prophesized, and he goes on TV, goes on radio, he talks to his congregation of one of these mega churches of 18,000 people out in Texas. But he's talking to millions of people, people who believe this nutball, that the thing we have to do is start a war in Iran because the book of Esther tells us that if we do that, what will happen is U.S. will invade Iran, the Israelis will then bomb one of the uh, one of the uh, uh, the sites in Iran, one of the nucle- nuclear facility sites, and then Russia will get involved, and then Russia will be defeated. Th- th- these are prophecy. These are prophecies that this guy goes on Trinity Broadcasting uh, and, and talks about. He's even written a book about it, about why we have to go to war. And unfortunately, these people who believe him believe that this is the word of God. Hell, this is the word of Satan. This isn't the word of God. And all he's doing is disguising his prophecies into some political agenda that, unfortunately, you know, you may may not believe it, but I'll tell you something. Republicans have embraced it, at least the fringe Republicans, not in the mainstream Republican Party, but this new kooky fringe Republican Party, unfortunately, is embracing exactly that because they understand this. That is the last part of the coalition for the Republicans that can be held together. And that's the unfortunate truth. That's what's happening in politics right now. on his analysis, not just of gay people, but of uh, gay Hollywood and what it means to be gay Hollywood and the state of illicit sex today. You know, this will be good. Jerry Falwell on Sunday. Illicit sex. Today, today the world has gone sex crazy. (laughs) Illicit sex has become the downfall of many in the Bible. Uh, Movie stars not married to each other are having babies and making headlines all over the world as though they were doing some great thing. Big deal, just another moral pervert. <laughs> and and uh, for them to become heroes yeah, for our it. kids. My wife and I will be married 49 years the next time. You want to be a hero? And, and don't, don't ever be proud of sin. You know, you've almost got to be a homosexual to be recognized in the entertainment industry. Now. He's like, I know, I tried. Uh, and all me. the rest. I, I, I love them, pray for their souls, <laughs> but they're immoral. <laughs> And the Hollywood scene of five and eight and ten marriages. Yeah. Not something to be emulated. You tell him, Jerry. <laughs> I, he, he's a sex? What are you talking about? <laughs> Is that what? Man, that's crazy. Sex? Come on. Look, man, I'm engaged, so none of that. Think about that. That'll, that'll put me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Falls obviously talking about Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. I mean... 
what, what did he call them? Morally repugnant? No, moral no, no, morally no. perverted? Just another moral pervert. They're moral perverts. I mean, for adopting what, needy children. Right, adopting two needy kids. The world. She's a U.N. ambassador to do what? What is she doing? Like landmines? Goodwill good, ambassador. Goodwill. I mean, she's doing... And everybody says it involved in this. She's doing yeoman's frickin' work. She's a pervert. Yeah, That's, I mean... She she needs little children because she's a pervert. She's she wants to do freaky, scary things the with them. Because you know she's been married. How like many kids three you times? Ad- How many kids Jerry Falwell adopted? All right, let me say a couple of things here. Number one, uh, to pervert. be fair to Jerry Falwell, actually, generally, actually, is kind of a pervert. I know. I mean, awesome. she kissed her brother. She's carrying around some blood that she sucked out of her ex-husband or something. No, okay. I mean, she, I mean, if anybody's a pervert, she's a pervert. I mean, to be fair, she, Angelina Jolie is a pervert. Take those children away from her. Uh, but she's not a she's not a moral pervert. She's a sexual pervert, which is awesome. I look. Are you kidding me? What are we talking about? Sex? I mean, I, I love her. Don't get me wrong. I wish she'd bring some of that perversion also, over this way. Also, but like but illicit sex today has come the downfall. Of many movie stars not married to each other, having babies, making headlines all over the world as though they were doing some great thing. Big deal. Just another moral pervert. Then next thought. You know, you almost got to be homosexual to be recognized in the entertainment industry anymore. Ellen, all the rest. I love them. Pray for their souls, but they're immoral. Well, which Mom. is it, Jerry? Mom. Mom! Mom! Why did you do that to me? That's a um, anti-gay uh, um, uh, therapist. Jerry Falwell. That's how you get people to be ungay. Take a tennis racket, smash it against a stool, and yell at your mom. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get anybody not to be gay. So, I mean, one thought is the movie stars going around the world having sex, moral perverts. Next thought, they're all gay. <laughs> well, if they're running around having babies, they're not gay. Well, that's why they have to adopt, because they're all gay. Right, they're all gay. I mean, he's got... Uh, no morally upstanding American citizen would adopt, because mm-hmm. that shows you're a Hollywood fact. I just, you've, you've almost got to be a homosexual to be recognized in the entertainment industry anymore. Ellen and all the rest. Okay, Jerry. Name one other. Right. <laughs> well, the dominance of this... Of, well, you could go a couple of No, no. You, do you, you, think, can go, you can go to Rosie. You can go to Tom. Do you think that... Uh, Did uh, I say something? Uh, Rupert Everett, I think you just said. Did you, uh, uh, did, uh, um, can Jerry name any of them? Yeah, I don't think he can I doubt it. run off the list. Of Alan DeGeneres? 20% of the gay people in Hollywood. Rock Hudson, Montgomery Clift, they were gay. <laughs> I love these guys. I, I'll be like Jerry Falwell. I mean, I love them. They're ruining America, but I love them. No, I just love yeah. Ellen, Ellen, all the rest. They sound, he sounds like the old man, like my, my, my mom, who'd be like, oh, Ellen and all the rest of the gays. <laughs> no, any others. <laughs> You've never insulted your mom more than you just No, I, that's true, yeah. My mom, great story, real quick, great story about my mother. She goes and sees the birdcage with uh, Robin Williams and, and Nathan Lane. And, uh, no, no, sorry, she saw some movie. Sorry, she had seen the birdcage. She goes and sees a Rupert Everett mer- movie. What was it? He played the, the leading man. Best my best friend's wedding. But he, he didn't play a gay guy in that wedding? Uh, no, I don't think he did. No, he played a gay guy. He some movie where but he, he wasn't like overtly gay in the movie. He was Julia Roberts. You're best right, friend. and he did play gay. Okay, so I got the story now. Right, it was my best friend's wedding. My mom goes to see it. She talks to my brother on the phone, and she says, "Oh, I saw a lovely movie. My best friend's wedding with Julia Roberts." I don't know why everybody makes such a big deal about her. I don't think she's so fantastic in any way. But that Rupert Everett. Let me tell you, he was wonderful. So handsome, so good-looking, a reminder of the stars the way they used to be. When I would go to the movies and I would see an all-American boy, and think, that's a good-looking fellow right there. Rupert Everett reminds me of those stars of the 1950s, stuff like that, right? And she goes, and such a good actor. I really believed he was gay. He played gay so effectively. 
my brother's not laughs because it's ridiculous. And he says, well, Mom, or whatever it is, uh, is gay. <laughs> I'm not saying he's not a good actor. I'm just saying he gay. Why do you always do that? Why do you always assume that just because somebody can play a gay person well, that, that therefore they are gay? He's like, Mom, I don't know what to tell you at this point. I, I, I don't think I can win this conversation. I'm just saying he's gay. I'm not saying it about anybody else. I'm saying he's gay, and yes, he's a fine actor. I am so disappointed in you. Just because someone knows how to play gay doesn't mean they are gay. Next thing you're going to do is tell me that that wonderful actor Nathan Lane's gay just because he played somebody gay in the birdcage. Oh, oh come no. on. No. Come on. No. Swear no, to wait. God. Swear to God, I get a phone call. But, but Josh got off the phone to call me. Oh my God, he was I like, thought Mom? the story was over, and he just added that no, no, for no, an extra treat. You're no, kidding. Repeat no, no. it. Repeat it. <laughs> she says, "What? Well, next thing you can do is tell me that wonderful Nathan Lane was gay, that Nathan Lane's gay just because he played a gay guy in the birdcage. Mom. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> Mom. Mom. Why did you do that to me? So uh, Josh says, Mom, mother. Nathan Lane's gay too, and I have to go. <laughs> Hangs up the phone, calls me, tells me the story right there. He's okay. like, I just got to, I just, he said, started the conversation with, stop whatever you're doing. I just had the best conversation with our mother that any of us will ever have. This is Ben Mankiewicz from the Young Turks, and you're listening to us on the Best of the Left podcast. Catch the entire show live at www.theyoungturks.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. So yesterday I mentioned about how highly I hold this week's set of shows in uh, esteem. However, between yesterday and today, when I'm recording this, I have actually completed editing all of the shows for the week, um, with the exception of my comments at the end. And, um, so I, I need to update my, my warning or my, uh, warning's not nearly the right word, but you get what I'm going for anyways. Uh, I mentioned yesterday that Friday's show is particularly important. I think I said, uh, you know, it's not just good. It's not, you know, it's it's important. It's something that I, I really feel strongly that that everyone needs to listen to, and I'm making the point to talk about it because I know for a fact that not everybody listens to every show because uh, it you know the shows are long and there's a lot of them, so that's totally reasonable. Uh, Friday's show you can't miss, but as I said, I finished editing the show today, and I'm upgrading. It is, bar none, the best episode I've ever done. You know, I'm I'm up over, you know, well over 100 now. It, it's over. Three weeks ago, I said the same thing about another episode. I said, Friday's show is the best episode ever. You know, if, you're, if you've been listening for a few weeks, you heard me talk about it forever. And then, you know, everybody wrote in to tell me uh, how uh, overblown that prediction was. And I, you know, I thought, you know, months and months would go by before I would be able to make that sort of statement again. However, in the meantime, we had the 4th of July, and that's exactly what Friday's show is this week. It's my special, you know, clips drawn from other people's special 4th of July shows, and, um, 
if you haven't gotten the hint yet, everything you're listening to is, you know, just about everything's at least a week old when you hear it, uh, if you listen to it the day it comes out even. So, you know, last week was 4th of July. This week's Friday show is the clips drawn from the 4th of July, and it's it's important. I'm going to be continuing to talk about it for the rest of the week for sure. Um, I'm, I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to be providing uh, easy access to the permanent link on the website. If you do a blog or have your own podcast or are on a listserv or an email uh, system or any kind of connections you have to anybody who you think would be interested in this type of show, but they don't listen yet. Uh, you know, if you if you diary on daily codes, that sort of thing. Any any type of interaction you have with the outside world, I would really appreciate if you were to send around uh, the link to the show that comes out Friday. So you know, I'm I'm warning you now. Don't worry about it. I'll you know, if you think I'm not going to remind you again, you're crazy. Uh, but just be aware of that. That's that's how much I think uh, this this show needs to be heard. I've said many times in the past that, you know, my relationship to this show is strictly messenger basis. So, you know, don't don't be confused and think I'm getting a big head about my own show because I'm as big a fan of this show as any of you out there. And, um, I, you know, I just have the, the one benefit of being able to see what's coming down the line. So uh, that's, um, that's my note for today, and you'll be hearing it again and again for the rest of the week. Just a quick reminder, I have begun putting links, or uh, if, if they're not links, they're at least notes uh, for the music that's included in the show. That's the number one requested uh, feature that I get from, from listeners wondering what the music is that I use. So go to bestoftheleftpodcast.com. You can find the show notes for every show I've ever done. And the music uh, is posted for shows as of, you know, a a week or so ago. Because I've just started this program. But uh, that's where you can find the music. And some of them are linked uh, directly to iTunes so that you can find them that much easier. And finally, I do a terrible job of remembering... Uh, to tell you where you can contact me, if you go to the website, there are you you pretty much can't um, move your mouse an inch without accidentally stumbling upon a email me icon. But uh, if you want to email me directly, you can do so at hippiesympathizer at gmail dot com. That is spelled the exact way it's spelled in the artist field in your uh, iPod iTunes, uh, or non-Apple Mac-related software that you use to listen. So that's it for today. I will be talking to you very soon, as in uh, about five minutes or so for me, but not until tomorrow for you. Have a good one, everybody. This is Shelley of the podcast, Citizen Against Lies. I'm a proud member of the Progressive Podcast Network. Visit us at newmediarevolution.org. 
We are podcasting information and attitude 365 days a year. Why? Because knowledge is power. Be powerful. Thank you.